Hello and welcome to the Sound on Sound People and Music Industry podcast with me, Sam Ingalls. I'm very pleased today to be joined by Rene Mork from DPA Microphones. Welcome, Rene. Thank you so much, Sam. Thanks. Now, DPA Microphones can be found pretty much everywhere on this planet. But in this podcast, we'll be finding out about a DPA mic that is quite literally on another planet. Uh, a DPA 4006 mic has been used to capture sounds on the surface of Mars for the first time as a part of NASA's Mars 2020 mission. Uh, but before we get into that, this isn't actually the first time that DPA have worked with NASA. In fact, you have quite a long-standing relationship. What's the story there? Yeah, well, uh, it's, it's the first time that we are on board the uh, mission, uh, so to say. Previous, uh, we have been used on the Apollo 13 mission, the one with uh, Houston, we got a problem. I don't think it was our fault. But, and also on, uh, on one of the, uh, the space shuttles, uh, one of the, the tours with the Discovery. Uh, and in each case, we were standing on ground, uh, so to say, near the launch pad and uh, a little bit away from the launch pad and recording and broadcasting the sound from the liftoff of these, uh, of these rockets. Uh, yeah, I think it was back in, in, in the 70s, uh, of course, uh, with, the, uh, with the Apollo and, uh, and later on in the 80s, uh, or perhaps it was even in the 90s uh, with, the, um, uh, with the Discovery uh, uh, liftoff. And again, that's, that's quite a harsh environment uh, um, because those uh, sound pressure levels are uh, almost out of this world, but still we were able to, uh, to record that. Yes, the technical demands on a microphone that's being used to capture a rocket launch must be pretty spectacular, I imagine. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's right. Not something that every kind of equipment can, can really handle. Absolutely. So what sort of sound pressure level does it reach? The closest, I think, was about 170 or something like that. And of course, the further you get away, uh, the lower it becomes. Uh, so uh, 150 or something, uh, um, a little bit away from it. Uh, uh, which you could say that that you can also uh, reach with uh, with the voice or, or on the snare drum or something like that. But 170, that's that's uh, out of this world. That is extreme. So, how did your involvement in the Mars 2020 mission come about? Yeah, it was actually uh, JPL and, and NASA that uh, that reached out to, uh, to us, uh, indicating that they uh, they wanted some kind of standard equipment they could uh, hook up on the um, on the rover on the vehicle itself, uh, so they, they could record what is uh, known as the EDL stage, meaning the entry, descent, and, and landing. So they had a demand to, uh, to be able to, uh, to capture both the audio and video um, of this particular seven minutes of terror, as they call it, from you enter the, um, the atmosphere of Mars and until you are uh, on, on the surface of Mars. So th those, uh, those minutes are, are where a lot of things must go right if the mission is to, uh, uh, to be a success. Uh, and they really wanted to, uh, to capture that and also to, uh, to be able to, uh, um, not to broadcast live because that's not possible, uh, but at least uh, record and, and uh, uh, later on share uh, with the public um, what is going on through, uh, through that, uh, yeah, those seven minutes of terror. So presumably you had to develop a, a special microphone for this. You could, uh, you could think that, and uh, that is a natural thing uh, to, to think. But uh, actually it was, um, was uh, off-the-shelf uh, components um, from, uh, from, from our side. And that was really also the demand from, uh, from, from JPL uh, slash uh, NASA. They, they didn't uh, want to go for something that was especially made for, for, uh, for this kind of, um, of tour. And the same counts for, for the cameras used. And really, that is because uh, if if you do that and you have to to uh, to make sure 
that you develop it uh, with this particular purpose in mind, uh, it becomes extremely costly. Wow. So it was literally an off-the-shelf uh, 4006 microphone, such as you could walk into the warehouse and, and pick off one of the shelves. That's right. Uh, it is so that uh, that we did a few modifications. So it basically, it's, it's free three different uh, uh, things that, uh, that we have on board. We have a capsule, we have a, a, a small uh, preamplifier that has uh, you know, the, uh, some, some electronics in it, and then we have a uh, sort of a pox-sized uh, uh, H2D converter uh, that is placed inside the, um, uh, the rover itself. Uh, but most of the stuff that we do has a round shape, and that makes it a bit difficult to, uh, to bolt to the side of a, of a rover. So uh, what we did was we made a, a pair of, uh, of uh, Mickey Mouse ears uh, for the preamplifier so it could actually be bolted to, uh, to the side of, uh, of the rover itself. So that was uh, the mechanical uh, um, uh, thing that, uh, that, was, uh, the, that was done. And also it was, uh, of course, uh, stripped for whatever uh, nicing up that you normally do on a microphone. Because weight is, of course, uh, of, uh, of a big uh, concern when, when you have to lift something off from ground to, uh, to space. So you know in advance of a mission like this that the equipment is going to encounter extremely harsh and hostile conditions. And obviously you want to be confident that it's going to survive those conditions. How do you test it to make sure that it's going to survive? Well, uh, obviously, we, we, we did some, some initial testing ourselves. Uh, I cannot go into details about that, uh, but the main testing was, of course, done by, by NASA. And what you can imagine, uh, if, if I should talk into that, is, uh, is of course, that, um, something that, that is on a, on a long, long journey, traveling from the surface of, of Earth through the atmosphere, our atmosphere, into, into vacuum in, in space and back to, uh, to an atmosphere on Mars and landing. Uh, like we saw it did, coming down from uh, from this uh, extremely high velocity, being uh, uh, sort of of, uh, of dampened in its uh, in its approach to uh, the surface of Mars, uh, finally uh, being uh, shot out uh, of of um, of this uh, space shell, and and uh, the last uh, few meters uh, hoisted down from uh, from a space crane <laughs> with uh, with rockets on on the sides. That that is just extreme in terms of. Uh, of vibrations, of course, and uh, all sorts of, uh, of, of gases and uh, what have you uh, lying around it. And, of course, temperatures uh, going from, uh, from the extreme uh, cold to the extreme heat. Uh, at the same time, uh, uh, yeah, uh, during the journey, you also go to extreme uh, temperatures. And as I said, going in and out of vacuum uh, and, and all, all these sorts of changes uh, is simply something that, uh, that has a big in- impact on it, electronics and uh, and. Uh, mechanics as, um, as as we are uh, using here. So prior to the seven minutes of terror during the landing phase, um, you've got seven months of relatively tranquil uh, journey through space. Now, slightly to my surprise, the mic was actually able to capture sounds during this phase of the yeah. journey. I wonder if we could hear some of those now. So... Can you explain to us what we're hearing there? Because I think the one thing we all know about space is that sound doesn't travel in space, right? Yeah, as, as I said, it's vacuum. So, so there's no molecules to, uh, to, be, uh, to be bumping uh, uh, to each other. So no, it's, um, what we're hearing is structural bond noise. Um, I think you, uh, you all know it uh, when, when you have, for example, a directional microphone, um, that when, 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 you, uh, when you touch it, when you... Uh, when you uh, um, when, when you touch the cable and so on, 
uh, you can actually have uh, uh, sound coming through that just by 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 uh, bouncing or, or just by touching it. Uh, this this is of course why a lot of uh, of microphones have uh, either built in a uh, a damping system or, or you put it into uh, uh, into one of the um, uh, anti vibration uh, uh, setups uh, that um, uh, that you see in studios and of course on booms and so on and so forth. Uh, so, so this is the kind of uh, of the same thing that uh, that we're experiencing here. Now, it's an omnidirectional microphone that is typically much less uh, prone to, to to this sort of uh, uh, of of structural bond noise. But still, uh, as I said before, we did make uh, a modification that meant that the uh, uh, that the unit could be bolted to to the side of uh, of the rover. So, what we are hearing is actually um, uh, something that is uh, set adrift, so to say. Uh, from from the vibrations of the robot itself, and what we're actually hearing is a uh, is a uh, is a heat pump uh, inside the rover uh, where where it's uh, it's sort of yeah just like a cooler on a on a, a conventional uh, uh, vehicle motor uh, or engine uh, where where you are, are, are having fluid uh, that um, that cools down the uh, uh, the engine itself. So in this particular situation, it's it's uh, the energy source of the rover that is uh, cooled down. And thereby uh, pump through a lot of, uh, of of small the pipes throughout the rover that uh, that keeps it warm at the same time cools the uh, energy reservoir. So that is uh, basically what is um, what is going on. And yes, uh, it was part of starting up uh, equipment on on the journey to uh, to Mars. So they started up all sorts of different parts of the uh, of the rover to make sure that it actually survived the travel into space and also during space that it was still ready to uh, to go to capture those uh, seven minutes of terror. So after seven months of waiting, you finally have the, the, the key seven minutes of terror. That must have been a pretty intense experience for you personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was uh, sitting with my family at home. It was uh, in the night here in, in Europe, as you know. Uh, and we watched uh, the, uh, uh, what happened on, on the, uh, at the control center uh, at JPL. Um, and we didn't get any pictures. We didn't get any order. We didn't get anything because uh, all we could see was was the guys. And there was only a few guys. It was through the pan- pandemic, so most of the guys were were back at home, uh, uh, doing the remote, uh, logging in and and uh, controlling and and monitoring uh, stuff from there. But uh, those few that was gathered uh, in the control room in uh, in Pasadena saw uh, we saw that, and uh, and where they raised their hands and uh, and and shouts. That's really uh, yes. Whew. It uh, it all went well, um, and then we waited uh, at DPA. We waited for for the files to be downloaded. So that took uh, uh, quite some hours because again, it wasn't the uh, the main purpose for for this mission, obviously. Um, uh, but we we had promised to uh, to clean up the files from uh, for for JPL NASA, and um, we got those after some hours. I think it was uh, uh, during the week. It was during the weekend. Uh, but we were warned uh, prior to getting it uh, that they have had a, a software error. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, when we received the file, it uh, had absolutely no audio. So, uh, so that was a bit of a bummer. Um, fortunately, uh, they were able to uh, during the weekend. They were able to uh, to power up uh, our part of the of, of of the mission, and they actually captured uh, uh, sound from the surface of Mars. So for the first time, we uh, we heard through a microphone what it would be like standing on the surface of Mars. Incredible. So I think we're going to be able to hear a little bit of that sound now. A 
Amazing. That's sound from the surface of another planet for the first time. Now, I wonder if you could explain to us a little bit about what we're hearing in that clip. Yeah, that's a uh, for us. It, it was it was really like we were having goosebumps, of course, uh, or, or um, everywhere because it was just wow. It's the first time we hear something from uh, from Mars, and what we're actually hearing is the weather. Uh, so we hear a wind gust uh, from um, uh, f- passing through, uh, passing the uh, the rover. At this point, uh, the rover is, uh, is standing still; it, it doesn't move because we are now uh, we have just entered and just uh, uh, making sure that everything is working uh, at this point. So they are starting up all sorts of of uh, scientific equipment, making sure that everything has survived. And actually, driving is uh, is way um, down the line. And, and not uh, something that uh, that was uh, supposed to happen uh, um, until uh, yeah uh, I think it was weeks later than um, than the entry uh, was happening, and that uh, one one funny part of this is that our part was not supposed to work at this point, uh, so NASA hoped that it would work after uh, the vehicle was uh, was uh, standing on on the surface of Mars, uh, but they didn't expect it because having seen those pictures of the rover going down. <laughs> Having seen those last seconds where it actually hoisted down from uh, from the sky sky crane, you think, well, nothing can survive that. But as you could hear, it uh, it actually did. So the microphone had exceeded its design goals simply by operating at all on the surface of Mars. Yeah, and most of the instruments that the rover carried obviously had a clearly defined scientific purpose. Um, what was NASA's goal in incorporating a microphone into it? Obviously, it was uh, primarily, as I said in, in the beginning, was it was really um, uh, a goal to to uh, to capture that EDL uh, stage and and uh, to convey that to uh, uh, to a broad audience, not just uh, uh, scientific people, not just for themselves, not just for the engineers, but really for for each and everyone, uh, uh, showing what it's like being and and hearing what it's like being uh, uh, through uh, th- this um, this stage. Um, so, so it hadn't, it didn't have, uh, you could say, a, a scientific um, uh, uh, success uh, goal. But obviously, uh, the engineers um, uh, said uh, from from the start, it would be fantastic if, uh, if it was also working uh, afterwards, because then it could also be used for um, finding uh, uh, things that goes wrong, so to say. Just like listening to your own car, um, if something starts to uh, to say clunk 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 or whatever. Uh, you would probably uh, pull over and, and, and uh, have a look at what there was uh, and even take it to the garage if, if it continues. So you could get an early warning of, uh, of things that, um, that, that might start to go wrong or even if something has gone wrong, you could start to, uh, to get an idea of uh, what, what part of this. Again, you can't send the mechanics um, to Mars yet. Uh, so uh, you have to do everything from, uh, from remote and, and by the means that, uh, that you have. So uh, yeah, so basically uh, they hoped uh, big times for 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 this one to to being able to to continue to work up there. So not only did the microphone survive the landing and operate once the rover was landed, it also survived long enough to capture some of the sounds of the rover driving around. So let's hear a little bit of that now. And there, that's that's pretty incredible. That's a recording of. Uh, powered transport on another planet that's the <laughs> perseverance rover drive trundling around the surface of mars can you explain what we're hearing yeah, it's, 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 it's not really uh, it doesn't sound that that good does it um, as, as the uh, uh, one of the project leads uh, uh, 
Dave Grohl uh, uh, states when, 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 when they publish this, if this was my car, I would definitely pull over <laughs> and, and ask, it, uh, ask uh, for it to, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to be pulled away because uh, obviously uh, this doesn't sound good. But what we are hearing is, of course, uh, the gears inside the motors uh, on the rover, uh, the six wheels uh, um, rolling over the, uh, the surface of Mars. And remember, those wheels, are, are, there's no, there's no uh, air, there's no, there's, no, um, uh, the, uh, there's no rubber, there's no nothing uh, between those alloy wheels. So it's really metal to, uh, to rock. Uh, so there's no, nothing to, uh, to, to dampen that, uh, that part of it. And again, we have both the, the acoustical uh, part of it, we also have the structural part of, uh, uh, of, the, um, uh, uh, of the unit uh, driving around up there. So, so that, is, um, that is really what we're hearing. Uh, but yes, it's amazing hearing something uh, that far away driving uh, over the surface. Uh, that's, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't say. It's, uh, it's just when we heard that, I was like, yes, <laughs> fantastic. Of course, the atmosphere of Mars is very different from that of Earth. It's much, much thinner yeah. and has a rather different composition of gases. Yes. How does that affect the behavior of a standard microphone? Uh, well, uh, it doesn't affect uh, the microphone itself. Uh, what it affects is, of course, uh, the sounds coming out of, uh, of being there. Um, so so uh, what, uh, what you have is uh, a much thinner atmosphere. Uh, as you said, it's, uh, I can't remember the, uh, um, uh, the units. Uh, it's, it's like a, a hundred um, uh, parts lower than, than, uh, than the atmosphere on, on Earth. But also, as you said, uh, the gas uh, uh, mix is, is very different. What it all, all boils down to is that, um, that you get a pitch change so that you have less of the high frequencies and, and more of, of, of the lower uh, frequencies up there that you'll, uh, that you'll hear. At the same time, you'll also uh, notice if you were there uh, that that um, uh, that sound doesn't travel uh, that far. Yeah, again because of the uh, um, uh, of the different different uh, uh, composition and, and uh, pressure and so on. So uh, so things that uh, that you will be able to to um, to hear uh, from a distance on on Earth, you'll not be able to hear from uh, from very far away on uh, on the surface of Mars. And do you process the audio files in any way to try to adapt the frequency response to make it more like what we're used to? No, uh, and I think that that's a bit of what uh, what DPA is all about, trying to convey exactly what is uh, what is going on uh, without doing anything uh, uh, to it. What we did on this particular uh, some of these particular um, recordings uh, was uh, we uh, we made one that was that is uh, with everything, and then we made. Uh, uh, um, Another uh, one where we uh, took out some of those, uh, as we said, uh, heat pumps and uh, and all sorts of noisy uh, stuff. Uh, so you can actually hear um, those sounds coming to it, the uh, the acoustical born uh, sounds coming to it, uh, and and uh, suppressing, uh, so to say, the the uh, the structural born side of it. But you'll be able to, on NASA's homepage, you'll be able to uh, to find uh, both processed and non-processed. Uh, but uh, but from a start and and f uh, from a technical point of view, uh, we are recording exactly uh, uh, what uh, what hits the the microphone. Extraordinary, and I think one lesson we can all learn from this is a lot of us uh, studio engineers are conditioned to think that capacitor mics are inherently fragile and that they have to be treated with kid gloves. <laughs> but this obviously is an example of a situation where a capacitor mic has been subjected to unbelievably harsh treatment, and yet it's still performed above expectations. So I'm guessing this has benefits for us down on Earth as well. 
Yeah, but uh, again, this this has, um, this is all down to again boils down to to what DPA is all about, making something that uh, that is really robust and uh, withstands uh, much more harsh environments than you would expect. Yeah, we see uh, even our miniature mics being used on on uh, on sports cars, uh, racing cars. We see it on helicopters, motorcycles, uh, tanks, uh, all sort of stuff uh, uh, where it's really abused and still uh, uh, works fantastic. Uh, on some of these uh, very fast cars that races every Sunday, uh, they are even in, in the engine uh, uh, compartment. So, so it's uh, again gets extremely uh, loud, gets extremely um, uh, heated up, and still it uh, it survives uh, week after week. Yeah, you can even say that on on, on a vocal mic, uh, we have those uh, those two mics, the uh, the de facto on the twenty twenty eight. A few years back, I would like to to highlight that one. A few years back, uh, Celine Dion was visiting uh, Copenhagen. Uh, and during her performance uh, for, for uh, 16,000 people in, in the Royal Arena, she, she drops her, her de facto microphone. And, uh, and of course, she's wearing her in-ears, and, uh, and she is really, really scared that it's defect at, uh, at this point. And of course, she's, uh, she's talking into it and saying, well, does this one still work? And, uh, and she gets a, a thumb up in, uh, in her uh, in-ears, and... Uh, and she says, uh, oh, that's amazing. Not a dent, not a, no nothing. And it still works. It's fantastic. And then she's also being told in her ears that, uh, that it's actually made in Denmark. It's made here in Copenhagen, she says. Say, okay, well, thanks. <laughs> uh, but that is, uh, yeah, th- th- that is also a, a typical DPA um, uh, characteristic that, uh, that we make things to, uh, to last. Well, in this case, it seems the 4006 has passed the ultimate test of durability because <laughs> it's survived seven months in space, seven minutes of terror, and quite a few weeks on the surface of Mars as well. An extraordinary story. Well, thank you so much, Renaud. I uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, it's been great to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Sound on Sound People and Music Industry podcast with me, Sam Ingalls, and Renee Mork of DPA Microphones. Be sure to check out the show notes page for this episode where you'll find photos and more. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Listening.